Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Well, hello there. Fancy seeing you here. You are... Back once again with the Genegade Master. You're back once again to your weekly dose of queer podcast gayness fun times, I guess. You're back once again with Jen and No Straight Answers. This week's incredible guest is the wonderful SparklePunk13, who unbelievably, I had the pleasure of meeting IRL last week. I know. Who knew? You can meet actual people now, apparently. I always say it's really strange about people meeting up again now because we're all like taking tests and things to try and meet up with friends. Certainly made the dating questions a bit weirder, isn't it? Have you got all your tests? Yeah, I haven't got COVID. But she was as effervescent and incredibly knowledgeable in person as she is on this podcast. Um, This episode was an absolute delight. I learned so much from her. Um, Sparkle is essentially becoming a queer historian. So the stuff that she doesn't know isn't worth knowing. Do yourself a favour and have a little gander at her TikTok, which is History is Queer. Uh, We talk a little bit about Fanny and Stella later on in the episode, and she's got a TikTok exclusively about them, and it's just wonderful. And they seem like such a lovely set of human beings, and I'm very, very glad that they found each other. In today's episode... Other than Fanny and Stella, we talk about studying queer history. I learn what a grebo is, I think. The way that I said it suggests that I haven't known what a grebo is. And the gay congestion charge, which is a joke I'm very, very proud of and will be working into my usual stand-up material. <laughs> These are recorded live over on twitch.tv slash Master. We are recording one this Thursday with the incredible streamer Trista Bites. A newly minted Twitch partner just this week. Amazing. Uh, so look forward to that. Anything else that you need is over on jennagamaster.com. And I will catch you after this marvellous episode. You are back once again with No Straight Answers, which is the LGBT plus podcast where I speak to other people in the community, get their opinions on things and basically see what they feel about everything um today's guest is the quite incredible and quite glamorous i mean just wait till you see them oh my goodness it is the wonderful sparkle punk 13 hello hi (laughs) how are you i'm good how are you what a um, what an introduction oh look look at you though i like everyone dresses up for this podcast and i feel like so underdressed Uh, like I'm, I'm really not. I'm really not responsible. You are. You've got, you've got the tartan on. Always wrapping it. Yeah, you wrap, wrap in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Not like a, no, no official tartan or anything, but you know, <laughs> still do. Um, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself, Sparks? Sure. I'm Sparkle. Um, I am a 30-something-year-old uh, streamer, gamer, 
Um, I'm a recent mature student of history. Wow. Um, bit of a grebo. A what? But also likes a grebo. What's a grebo? <laughs> um, like a goth or like a grunger. Okay. Grebe. Did you not have that term? No. It was, it's like super like early 2000s. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so old. <laughs> <laughs> What's a greed? Is it a mixture of two words, or is it just like a word for that thing? No, I don't know. It's just I've just always known it as being that. So is it goth? Not really. I don't know. You know, like in like the the very early two thousands, there was like the kids that would hang around town centres in like big baggy jeans. Yeah, but they weren't like skaters and like black hoodie like that. Like okay. not really cool enough to be a goth. <laughs> <laughs> so goth light then yeah like at the intersection of like goth and skater i guess a bit grungy okay i think yeah, yeah. i've never had to describe the word before no yeah. i've never heard the word <laughs> moth says it's um, like grungy yeah. new metal skater yeah I'd, yeah i'd say that yeah okay <laughs> I feel like it is one of those things where, like, once you were one, you sort of always are. Right. Okay. So, um, were you a Grebo when you were little? Yeah. And you're still a Grebo? Yeah, but, like, I have slightly nicer clothes now, I think. <laughs> I feel like that about goth stuff because like there's a huge part of my brain that loves the goth aesthetic like if you yeah. brought me past blue banana i'd be like i want all of those things like i rarely wear dresses but all those kind of like gothy dresses with all the prints on and stuff i'm obsessed yeah. with yeah i never wear any of it but my brain is so hardwired into it it's bizarre so, yeah like i get that quite often as well i think um, mm. and like sometimes and then i'll buy them and then i'm like oh i can't wear that <laughs> oh. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think my brain thinks I'm a lot more bold than I am, really. Okay. I wonder if it's like the stuff that was really influential to you when you were a kid is just like ingrained in there somewhere and you can't get a shot of it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's just a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to ease you in, I think, a little bit. Okay. That, that's that's what, what she said. She said. Um, <laughs> If my volume setting wasn't down for system settings, I would have played the phrasing clip. Oh, hold on, we can do it. <laughs> phrasing. There we go. <laughs> um, tell us, what do you think about Pride, Sparks? Pride? Mm-hmm. I, I've been to a few Prides. Yeah? Um, I often have mixed feelings. Okay. Um, I love the events themselves. I love the representation. Um, I... I mean, I've been to a couple in Bristol and I've been to just one since moving to London because um, I work in bars and it's hard to get pride times off. Yeah. Um, they're generally like a Saturday. Um, but what I enjoy is sort of being able to go to the little stages and watch local queer artists, often young kids performing. And mm. um, I like sort of that side of it. Uh, and I guess the theatrics of it all I'm, I'm a bit of a <laughs> I, I, you know I, I do love a bit of queer loudness a bit of camp. um yeah I but camp. I hate the sort of commercialization I guess of it. Um, I I felt I, bleh, I'm not getting my words out I struggle with a lot of prides charging like 
excessive amounts of money. Like I think it was like Manchester Pride this year wanted like eighty quid wow. to get into it, which is just so for one day uh, as well. Yeah, Jesus. and that's just to like entry. Like you don't get anything with that. Mm. I mean, it might not have been eighty quid. That was like the first number yeah. that I thought of, but it was it was a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's just like entry to like the area of the city that Pride is in. Mm. So that's not even entry into bars or nightclubs. That's just like walking into the area. It's a gay congestion charge. That's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like things like that. Things like that. I'm, I'm a bit like iffy with. Um, like I get the. I get it if it's sort of bars and nightclubs that are queer owned, but. And it's kind of just, I guess it'd be like the councils and stuff taking yeah. the money. It just doesn't sit right with me. I've, um, I've said so. I'm all about, I'm all about like the, the small town, like local events. But um, have you got like sort of local queer run things that you could go to instead? Yeah, I mean, London is quite weird because you've got like what four or five different queer hotspot areas mm. so you've got like soho that's very it's commercial gay i guess like is it's, it really? it's very it's very like rainbow flags and um you know very um like boppy pop hits like that sort of vibe like bit fashionable bit fun um it's very straight friendly if that makes sense okay. like it's a lot more accessible i think that's the word to use accessible sanitized I mean, queerness yeah i mean it's still a great night out. do mm. i still love going there yes i do yeah <laughs> it's just that's the sort of category that i put it into and then you've got like east london which is where i live which is a lot edgier okay um so you've got sort of a lot more artsy artsy venues with like really out there drag um so yeah, you've got each of those sort of areas. There's a few more. I'm, I'm not going to run down the entire uh, <laughs> the entirety of the London. Where can we all go post COVID? Bucks. That's what I want to yeah. know. <laughs> um, but each of those areas does have like these sort of bigger bigger clubs and bars, and then you've also got these little smaller ones as well that you can you can support. Obviously, at any time of the year, but during Pride, they do tend to have their own little mm. um, their own little events too. I do remember going to like a comedy course that was held in the Groucho Club. And while I was kind of at a loss waiting for this thing to start, because I was too scared to go in because it was the fucking Groucho. I was like, I can't be seen around there. I don't deserve to be in there. So I was walking around all the sort of side streets and I came across, it was like a lesbian bar just down like a Mm. little side. And I was like, because to, you know, this, I feel like a country bumpkin when I go out to Cardiff and there's like, because there's nothing like that at all. I mean, there's a couple of gay bars that... Like I've said before that there's one in particular that I'm thinking of that I keep looking at and wanting to go in, but it strikes me as being a real like gay man bar because it's like even named like it's gay men. I'm sure that's not true because I literally saw a bunch of straight people go in and have lunch in there the other day. But (laughs) there's a part of me that's like, am I allowed in there? But, you know, the fact that London has got actual lesbian bars, I was thinking, wow, that's incredible. I am... Yeah, I, I know exactly which lesbian bar you're talking about. <laughs> I, I work um, like just around the corner from Soho, so okay. on my breaks or like before my shifts and stuff like that, I'll sort of do a bit of a wander around. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I know I know exactly where where you mean. I've not been in there yet, but um, I know where. It is. I, so, I am so, usually so, on, so on nights out. Um, like the majority of my queer friends are like male or male presenting. Yeah. Um. So, 
I think that that particular bar, it sort of says like he, men are allowed in if yeah. they are with, they, it's like one with a group of women or something like that. Like there's very like specific rules. I've just never, okay. I've never got around to going in there yet. Um, but I would like to. I'm intrigued to know what their rules are. London, we'll go. Like, mate, mate. Because literally, yeah. I I need more queer friends in London to go to these places. Because I walked past it and went, "Oh my god, oh my god!" <laughs> it's like it's like I want to go in. <laughs> I actually, um, I've just finished reading a book called. It's actually like somewhere, somewhere, box somewhere. Um, <laughs> called Queer City. That's all about the history of like queer London, and um, in like the sort of more recent years, bit it discusses um a women's only club. That okay. was also in Soho that actually ran all the way up until like the early 2000s, I think. It mm. got closed down. Uh, and, I, and it's been there since like the 1920s. I was like, that's amazing. Wow. That's, yeah. that's proper punk fucking rock, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Having a lesbian <laughs> a bar in the 20s. Yeah. <laughs> Badass. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to tell me a little bit about discovering when you first discovered you weren't straight? Like, was did it come easily to you? Was it early on? Was it late? What kind of happened? It's weird because, like, I've always kind of just described myself as liking guys and girls. Um, you know, I've always sort of said I was bisexual growing up. Um, there was never really a point where I sort of it sort of hit me and I, I announced it. I, I never really had like a coming out. I just always sort of said to friends that I liked, I liked sort of all kinds of people, I guess. Um, okay. But it's weird. Like in, in recent years, I was like thinking about, um, <laughs> you know, when people talk about like their sexual awakening. Yeah. And people talk about like things that they watched when they were younger that they kind of went like, yeah. And when they think back to it, they were like, yeah, I've always been gay. Yes. Um, <laughs> All true. Go on. <laughs> mine is, um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember in the 90s, there was a TV show of Hercules. Oh, my God. It was really, really awful. It was really bad. But there was a show of Hercules and they had a okay. crossover episode with Xena, Warrior Princess. <gasps> Okay. And I remember as a kid, like I must have been like seven or eight, and I remember just being in love with both Hercules and Xena. Oh, that's And it's so awesome. weird. I, I only remembered it recently, but I'm like, that. there we go. <laughs> I remember being obsessed with Xena, um, but also young? really, really liking Hercules. Yeah, I would have been like seven or eight. Like, wow. And Hercules my used and to Xena. Watch Hercules. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all had a bit of a thing for Xena if we were, if we oh, were women into women. It's like, she would destroy me and I would let her. (laughs) Unreal. Absolutely unreal. Yeah. So, yeah. And I went to an all-girls school. So, I mean, there's all the confusion that comes with that anyway. Mm. Um, I say confusion. Like... Fun. (laughs) There were some some instances where, unfortunately, we did live up to, like, what straight men think happen in all-girls schools. Um, What do straight men think happen? Oh, that it's all like experimentation all the time. Oh, okay. Which, I mean, like, you know, yeah, didn't, like think like there would be like girls that I'd have an interest in and things like that. I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I've just sort of, especially in my adult years, I've just sort of always been quite open with the fact that I wasn't straight. Yeah. But I never really placed a label on myself until probably like the last. I'd say like four or five years. 
Okay. And before then, it was just, I don't know. Has there been anything that triggered wanting to label? Um, probably, I, I think, like, the, the sort of more accepting society became, hmm. maybe. I'm not sure. I don't think there was anything really that that triggered it. It was just, I guess, maybe I started hanging out with more queer people. Mm. Yeah. They've, like, changed that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say pro- probably that, like, just sort of getting to know more queer people and um, being in sort of a few more circles that had more queer queer people in them. And people would say, like, you know, what not what are you? But, you know, what I mean? like, <laughs> what's your sexuality? And I'd just be like, uh, yeah. I guess I'm pansexual is what I, would, what I class myself as now. Hmm. Um, either pansexual or queer, however I feel like that day ago. I think it's okay for that to change though I feel like my label changes on a bloody daily basis and I own a pan flag now but you know hey. but I, I also feel like I think I feel the same as you in that I've become way more open even in like the last five years and I think it's partly a change in I mean it's still people are still fucking awful in many ways yeah. but it feels like our sort of immediate environment is a lot more accepting than it used to be I am speaking to a lot more queer people. Like, I've developed just talking to people on this podcast. Like, I've started going by she, they pronouns just from this podcast. So it's like, I think speaking to other queer people is underestimated as to how important it is. I think it really helps you understand your own community a lot better and gives you those connections, you know? No, definitely. Um, And I agree, like, I think... Um, I mean, it's amazing that you've sort of, uh, uh, that your pronouns have expanded. Mm. Is, the word, is that the right word? I still feel really sense? guilty yeah. about it, though, because occasionally people call no. me call me them, and I'm just like, am I an imposter? <laughs> no. No, I think everything is, is very fluid in there's, general. Um, um, there's an LGBT network that I am involved in, and literally today they were talking about, um, oh, we need, because they, they were going for the Stonewall uh, workplace equality index thing and it was like oh we need to have more representation from non-binary people and I was like well I don't really count as that so I'm not going to say anything but maybe I should say something because then they can have a she they and <laughs> isn't it weird how we think that like I regularly feel like I'm not a real queer person yeah. even though I like obviously am like, i have been for all of my life but i'm like well i'm not a lesbian so yeah i'm, I'm like my part-time yeah, gay i'm not a full gay <laughs> <laughs> i'm just a greedy person that's all i am i'm just an intern <laughs> but i mean you'd be amazed at how many people like pretty much every single person I speak to has got some form of like queer imposter syndrome and I don't yeah. know what causes it I don't know whether it's this whole again it must be a societal thing about you you're either one way or the other and there's there's only a binary ever there can can only be yeah. no fluidity about it so if you're not a hundred percent one way or the other then it's like oh well I'm not really because like I don't feel cis but I also don't feel non-binary so yeah where does that come into it I'm not allowed to feel like that. I need to be one or the other. <laughs> you just are who you are. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. That's okay. 
I think so. But I just, I feel like yeah. it's something a lot of queer people suffer with. Like, I mm. think there's a surprisingly high incident rate of it. And I don't know that we've ever looked at that. I think it's, um, it, it definitely can stem from, sort of, I guess, the amount of, I think, uh, especially for, like, femme-presenting people, the amount of, like, biphobia that you get from. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure it actually happens to 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 anyone, really. Mm-hmm. So I know that biphobia is very prevalent in the lesbian world. Um yeah. Because that's my experience. Obviously, I can't speak for for mass presenting people or um, homosexual men, etc. Mm. Um, and I think that I mean, again, I'm I'm, I'm cisgendered, um, so I'm not sure how it works um, in regards to being non-binary. Um, but obviously, I I know that there's this disgusting uh, group of LGB people who sort of dismiss anyone that doesn't fit into to those binaries, which mm-hmm. is ridiculous and awful and disgusting. Um, so it, I can understand why it would be so difficult to sort of feel like <laughs> you should fit into one of those spots. Mm. Like, I, don't, I don't know if my words are coming out right, right now, but... I think it's all fair. It's like, I think it makes me sad as well. It's, it's almost like this divide and rule type thing where it's like, if you start in fighting between the LGBT plus community, then it's like it's so much easier for them to try and dismantle us as, you know, sure. cis heads in power. And I'm sure that's what they want. But I'm, I'm a big pro- <laughs> proponent of stronger together and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, I, just, I, 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 I don't know if it's like a radical, this radical mm. view that I have, but like, you know, just let, just <laughs> just let, let people, people be, be who right? they want to be. <laughs> Pluckerby used uh, this phrase that I loved where they said they like the term non-gendered woman. And I said, you know what? I actually identify with that pretty hard because like I feel feminine, but sometimes yeah. I also don't. So it's like that's OK, too, I think. Perfectly fine. I think this leads Very on quite lovely. nicely to your queer history dissertation. So please do tell me a little bit about what you're studying. Oh, OK. Here yeah. We go. So <laughs> I... <laughs> Shut me up when you need to. Um, <laughs> Go for it. So, mate. I mean, I, I'm a history student. I started off my degree wanting to study ancient history. Um, that was my thing, ancient Greece. Um, that okay. was what I wanted to sort of pursue. And I did this one module that was on um, like 1450 to 1850 Europe. And I just fell in love with it, fell in love with that era. Um, so that already, my like within a couple of months of starting my degree, already that changed what okay. I wanted to do. And then um, I did a few classes on um, sexuality and gender, and I was like amazed that this is something that I was able to to study. I wanted to take that further, and then I did a queer history class last year. And that, again, just further amazed me. And I started reading things to do an essay on this subject. And I was like, I can't not continue this on. Like, there just seems to be a lot of not misinformation. I feel like that's a really hmm. weird way to put it. But a lot of the 
discourse on queer history is very dated and mm-hmm. a lot of it is written by which is the same in most most things to do with history yeah. like a lot of academic history is written by middle class white cis old men yeah 100%. and queer history is no different to that a lot of it is written by old middle class white cis gay men mm. And so I sort of find myself reading a lot of things that sort of ignores a lot of like working class struggles um, and it ignores a lot of trans, we, we can't call it trans because trans is a modern term, but like gender nonconformity, I guess, mm. um, in the past. And I really want to try and focus on that and essentially be a new voice okay. in history. So I'm doing my dissertation on um a culture called molly houses right which was sort of like gentlemen's clubs okay for queer people yeah you only really see things about men but there was definitely a lot of gender nonconformity going on um (laughs) in these clubs um in 18th century london and they are quite often just discussed as like places where these men would go and have sex Mm. um so they were sort of seen as brothels and a lot of um historical discourse is about just about them being like Mm -hmm. shagging dens i guess (laughs) dens of iniquity like these like saucy areas that people would go to and they were like filthy and disgusting Mm. um that's a lot of that kind of um how it was presented though wasn't it it's like they were all perverts and all this kind of stuff so that doesn't surprise me in the slightest definitely um but like what i sort of want to do is i guess use them as proof that queer people didn't just exist in the past like people sort of say like oh yeah like you know queer people have been around for for centuries like forever basically Mm. but they only ever sort of see them as being someone that existed right i want to prove that there was an actual community yeah similar to what we have today um like there sort of seems to be some evidence that they would go to balls and masquerades which (laughs) i find amazing and i think that they were sort of like an 18th century version of like a drag house or Mm. like a yeah, I guess that would be sort of like, or like a, just like a little queer families. They would call each other sisters and they would call each other their family and they would have weddings in, mm. in these places. And it's just not spoke about. Yeah. It's not been, like, there's not been any academic pieces about them since like the 90s. And even them, they were written, as I said, by yeah. white cis middle class men. That's fascinating. So, it's so interesting and it's, also heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Like I, everything I read, I um, I, I can't stop. I'm like constantly all the time <laughs> just reading new and new information. Um, and at the same time, it just makes me want to throw my PC out the window. Mm. I guess it's a bit like it's a little bit different. But one of my favourite things I ever saw was there's like you know like those Victorian portraits where everyone is very very staid and there's there nobody smiling and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. They uncovered all these like sort of outtakes like photos that were taken after that. So it's like because the photographer was so expensive, they would do their one serious thing, yeah. and then they've got these like outtakes of people just laughing and families just giggling, that. and it's all Victorians. And of course, you look back and you think, oh, Victoria's all very serious. Nobody had a good sense of humor and ultimately everyone was still human it must have been the same case for these people it was like 
yeah. finding queer communities human beings i have no doubt probably have always tried to find their own people so it's wonderful if you're uncovering any of that yeah i mean hopefully it all goes to plan which will be <laughs> but, i mean I, I spoke to my lecture like i've already sort of been um been placed uh with a a supervisor for it and he is incredibly uh, well respected in the queer history world um and he's really excited about my idea and he mm. thinks that it, it it could really work so hopefully hopefully um, Millie has plan. summed up what I feel here. Uh, Millie would like to read your dissertation. <laughs> your currently unwritten dissertation we would like yeah. to read, please. <laughs> I, I currently have nothing. Um, but <laughs> you have a title. <laughs> Next April, I will, I will happily hear it. <laughs> we'll still be around then. That's not a problem. Yeah. I actually have to submit two days before my birthday. So I feel like my birthday next year is going to be... That's going to be a big one. Are you going to have a super queer birthday as well, just to celebrate it? I reckon. Submit your dissertation, have just an absolute massive queer blowout done. Just roll myself in biodegradable glitter. Yeah. Always biodegradable. (laughs) Yeah, and just, uh, yeah, go mad. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And have a pan flag cape, if you wouldn't mind, please. Yeah. I'll do my makeup as well. I've not got it on today, but I'll do my oh, makeup. Oh, the picture you sent me for the promo, the sort of pride makeup that's going on there is glorious. <laughs> Love it so much. I'm going to use it as the cover art for this podcast as well, so people ah, will see it when, on the audio version. Um, so tell me a little bit about then, about how sort of family stuff has impacted you. Like, have your family always been around you have they always been around queer people and all that kind of thing i come from like a very working class background and okay my like for example like my mum has always been very accepting of me regardless of what i do my dad is very much a working class englishman um so i'm obviously not as open with him for a lot of things okay i say obviously that sounds weird um they're always been accepting of of what I want and I had this really weird moment years ago this is when I so I, li- I used to live in Australia and this is when I was still there and um there was this moment where I, I went back to to their house to visit and I was like oh I've got a date with a guy tomorrow mm-hmm. and they both sort of looked at each other weird and then like looked back at me <laughs> And they were like, oh, um, okay. And I was like, what, what's going on? And they were like, oh, well, you haven't had a boyfriend for quite a while. And okay. I was like, yep. And they were like, yeah, and you've not really mentioned even dating anyone for a while. I was like, okay. And they were like, yeah, we just kind of, we just, we just kind of assumed that you were a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like... <laughs> Okay, <laughs> it's, like, it's not really how it works. Like, but is that the really rule a... now? I've been single for yeah. way too long. <laughs> That's it. If you're a woman and you're single. Lesbian, yeah, lesbian, done. done. Yeah, I'll, I was like, I'll take I it. <laughs> I don't really. Uh, I was like, I don't think that's how it works. Uh, but I do very much appreciate the fact that you thought that 
and just kind of accepted it and didn't say anything mm. to me like how long have you been thinking this yeah and like why did no one bring it up to me it's it was very strange but even then after that i still actually only came out to my mum this year yeah which I, I don't even know why and even when i did she just kind of went okay <laughs> I mean, it's fine love like, we thought you were a lesbian this, this is just <laughs> an extension of that it's fine <laughs> yeah so yeah i've always sort of um i mean like my i have no i've got a feeling i'm the only queer person in my extended family okay i think or at least the only one that's out i guess um so i've not really had any sort of queer representation and like Mm. even growing up like i didn't really have anyone around me that was gay none of my friends were at least openly gay at that point um so yeah i never sort of really had that until i got older yeah my family's a bit like that as well in that it's like my mother keeps claiming because every time she says something a little bit dubious and i go look you have to accept that i am also into women maybe exclusively we don't know yet right you have to accept that it's a possibility i might bring a girlfriend home she goes i don't know it's fine i had a gay auntie or whatever she does but it's like i can't think of anybody in our family necessarily i think oh, i think of one gay uncle who owned a pub with his husband um, and there was the one cousin that i was always surprised by in that, that everyone in the family thought she was gay like no one ever seemed to mention it to her ever and then she sadly passed away, you know, like early 30. She was just very, very ill. And then at oh, her no. funeral, people were going, oh, well, we think she was seeing this boy, blah, blah, blah. And all everyone in the congregation was just like, I thought she was gay. And I was thinking, oh, God, she is dead. Can we just remember <sighs> that tiny aspect while we're gossiping about what she may or may not have identified as? Maybe at least give it a couple of days. <laughs> like... <laughs> Let's pop her in the ground first, and then you can chat about it. Maybe. Oh god. So I don't know. It's the weirdest thing, and there's a bit of me that always hoped that she was, even when I didn't know that I wasn't straight. I always hoped that she was, because there's a bit of my brain that was like, we could have a thing in common. I don't yeah. know it yet, but we can have a thing in common. To love that. <laughs> Uh, before we go on, I just want to remind chat that if you have got any questions for Sparkle, please feel free to drop them in the chat. There is a lot of conversation happening, which is quite interesting. Um, Becca, I did see Becca's comment earlier about Pride, which I thought was interesting, where they said that they don't need, they went to one in 2019. That's the first one they've ever been to. And then obviously COVID happened. It's It's sad, isn't it, that... It's kind of stopped, despite all the bloody corporization of it. That's not even a word, but hey, let's go for it. Um, um, yeah, despite all of that, commercialization, that's what we were looking for. <laughs> but it's sad that it's kind of, we've ripped away that kind of um, setting that people can kind of join in with each other and meet each other, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, um, go on. I was just going to say, like, I know that, like, London Pride has changed to September this year. Um, I'm not sure, like, if other cities are doing, like, a similar thing. Do you think it'll still happen? Because Cardiff isn't happening. I mean, they've got a date for it. Mm. Are there smaller numbers or anything? I'm not sure. Okay. I mean, like, London Pride's weird anyway, because it's like, you've got the parade that sort of goes through the centre, and then there's 
like last time I went was 2019 actually mm-hmm. and that was they had an event at Trafalgar Square where they had like like queer pop idol sort of thing oh my god yeah. Um, yeah and then they had like other performers um and they had like the mayor came and did like a nice chat and like they had like all these speeches and things like that and then the the event sort of in Soho was just kind of like a free for all of gay. It was just <laughs> like just the streets are just full of full of people drinking like really overpriced pina coladas, and um, they'd have like start, like little stages set up and things like that. So I think it would be quite difficult to have like a, a numbers thing because there's no like mm. separate zone or anything like that. It's just like on, in the city, you know. So I'm not sure how they're doing it. I'm I'm not. I am finding even here where the restrictions are a little bit tighter in Wales, for those that don't know, um, like people don't know what the rules are at all. Like in, in groups of stuff now, like I did a gig the other week and it was like, well, we put our masks on to go in for definite and we'll put our mask back on when we go to the toilet. But when we sat down... I don't think we need to. And then everyone was hugging each other. And it was like, we don't know what the deal is. Nobody understands yeah. what the rules are. So, to you know, that was only one small room. To multiply that by an entire city centre, I don't know. Well, I mean, not to be that guy, but um, <laughs> for fine when the Euros were on, wasn't it? <laughs> They oh, had their I'm so pride. with you. They I'm... had their straight pride <laughs> in the middle of London. They had their flag and they're chanting. They were sticking things up their bum. Like, oh my god! I know. <laughs> You're so right, though. The Euros was straight pride. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. What what can they do? Mm. Really? And that was even before like England lifted all the restrictions as well. It's like ah, screw it. Awful. Just, just go it's through the awful. town, have a party, go for it. Why not? I do you know COVID kind of kept you when it's coming home. Like <laughs> apparently, apparently, it's it's left home and <laughs> it's gone away. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel any anxious at all about any of it? Because everyone's because like most people are vaxxed now. I wonder if you feel anxious about it because everyone's sort of double vaxxed now. Most of us. Like even uh, the so youngsters. I've had my first, mm. um, but I also tested positive for COVID last week. Yeah, that's true. That is true. You did. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think I'm sort of at that stage with everything where I'm just kind of like, it is what it is. Like, it's out of my control. Whatever happens, happens. I know that I'm going to be, mm. I'm going to do as much as I can to keep myself and other people safe. Um, like when I do go to bars and gigs and clubs, I mean I'm not going to go to any clubs for a, a while. Yeah, um, yeah. But like bars and gigs and things like that, I will just not be an asshole, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm still masking up for everywhere, pretty much even outdoors for yeah. most of it. Um, I saw what killed me the other day. I was in a supermarket. And there was a woman who had one of those little like sunflower lanyards on, which is like, I'm exempt. And I thought, right, fair enough. But her partner had one of those like neck cover things around around their neck. And what he'd done is he'd pulled it up over his mouth like this, but he didn't put it over his nose. And I was thinking, if your partner's wearing that lanyard, they're clearly like vulnerable in some way. Could you maybe not mask up properly for them? <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I was going to say, actually, because, you know, you've got a lot of people that have been buying those on eBay. Oh, um, God, really? Yeah. Have you not seen that? Mm-mm. Uh, there's been loads of, like, anti-maskers and stuff like that been, like, <gasps> buying them on eBay. Mm. But I was going to say, like, if if the person wearing the lanyard was that kind of person, surely they would, their partner would also be anti-mask, not be even attempting to wear one. Mm. I don't know. I think, like... I don't know, but I think I'm probably just quite cynical of people. <laughs> at that point where I just think the worst in a lot of people at the moment. I think so it's the, made the me really sad that it, like, it's given, for a lot of people, it's given them zero uplift in empathy or being nice to people or just not being a selfish asshole. Yeah. It's astounded me that we can go through something like this, like literally on a global scale, because everybody has been affected by this wherever you are on the globe. And yet still some people are like, no, I'm going to cut you up. Fuck you. It's like, have you not paid attention to the last like 18 months? It's a bit of humanity, maybe. Yeah, I think a lot of people are severely lacking in that, unfortunately. Apparently. Mm -hmm. So in terms of obviously all the prides being cancelled and what have you, hopefully you'll get your London one this year. Maybe they'll come up for that. Maybe. Am I in? I might be in. No, I'm in Scotland in September, I think. I wondered if I might, might be in London anyway. Um, so in terms of like having a community in lockdown, have you found a way to do that or keep that up? I mean, um, I live in a queer household mm. uh, with RK. Yeah. Um, and then, like, uh, like most of our like closest friends are also queer. Okay. Um, so I think, like, by default, I have my own little mini mini community here, mm. um, which is nice. And a lot of my friends have sort of <laughs> one of my uh, he's probably going to listen to this at some point. One of my <laughs> um, best friends from uni um he sort of was saying the last time i saw him that uh coming out of lockdown he was like i have no interest in being friends with straight people anymore (laughs) 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 he was like he was like i just want my whole he was like i want my whole my whole world to be gay i respect that as a thing (laughs) sparkle friend hello i respect it (laughs) he was like the people I already know, that's fine. He was like, but I have no interest in meeting these straight people. He was like, what are they going to do for my life? Do you not go the other way, though? Like, I do this thing now. Wherever I meet somebody new, my brain is sizing them up, going, maybe they're gay in some way. Could they you know, be I quite like. <laughs> I quite like it when, um, when I catch people doing it to me. That, have you had that? No, I don't. I don't think so, but maybe... I've definitely had it more since I've cut my hair into this like mullet thing. What do they do? I, I get like I get like girls at work or like femme presenting people uh, just being like, oh, I like your hair. And then like holding eye contact, just like a little bit more than normal. And I'm like, thanks, because I'm awkward and I can't tell if people are flirting with you at all. I'm just like, ah, thank you. And I just like walk off and I'm like, were they? Hmm. And then I look back and they're like very, very obviously queer. Um, yeah, I like I, I've noticed it quite a bit recently when people are sort of trying, they're like, 
Maybe that's why I'm so horribly lonely, because I think women or femme-presenting people flirt in a very different way than men do. So I can't pick up on it very well. Yeah. Please tell me. (laughs) If you are (laughs) femme-presenting and you're into it, please tell me. Because I I won't lie to you, this year has been bereft of men making a fucking play, and I am exhausted. The, the, the scariest one is um, is like I only recently like it was actually sort of not long after I came out to my mum that I changed my preferences on like Hinge and stuff yeah. to just women and I was like I'm gonna try just women for a while um, and it is terrifying mm-hmm. like it is so scary um, yeah women scare the absolute shit have you tried the app her is my question no because that that is for women and it's mm. (laughs) there's some very lovely women on it but i feel the same as you i go through through these women going you're too pretty for me you're too pretty for me you're too pretty for me you are super hot but oh my god you scared the shit out of me (laughs) oh my god so many of them there have been so many women i've looked at and gone Oh my god, you are like drop dead gorgeous, but also you will take one look at me and go, "That's a golem." Move, move on. Fuck off! <laughs> Absolutely fuck off! But the messages are the worst, mate. I don't know how much yeah. you've had in terms of messaging with women in particular, because it's like they'll, you'll get like in get a little bit of a dialogue going, and then I think that's the point where if you were a man, the man would go, "Right, let's go and have a cup of coffee together." But because you're two women, you just kind of do this weird dance around each other. There's one girl I swapped phone numbers with so that we continue to WhatsApp each other. And we yeah. were checking in on each other every other day. Not a problem. It's just completely fizzled out. <laughs> oh, no. And that was yeah. fucking months ago. It was like, oh, okay, that's done then. We tried. Well, I seem to attract the same, like, fan presenting women that the same type of, of women that I did with men. Okay. Um, in which it's, like, I guess, like, the female version of a fuckboy. <laughs> Oh no! Just, like constantly, it'll be like I can't match, and then it'll be like, oh, so um, like, what are you looking for? And I'll be like, well, we've just come out of a pandemic. Not mm. really looking for a one night stand. Also, probably not looking for anything serious. I just kind of want to go yeah. with it, and then they'll just they'll just block me or unmatch me. So I just get all the people that just want to shag, basically. Oh. It's obviously the vibe I give off. This is the bit I don't understand. It's like, why is it so difficult? I just want to go on a couple of dates with somebody and find out if we're compatible. I don't want a marriage proposal. I don't want a one-night stand. Why is that difficult? Also, I can't think of anything worse. Like, coming out of... I mean, like, this might be too much information, but, like, you know, I've I've had sex since before the pandemic, right? The last thing I want to do is meet up with a random person who I don't know anything about for sex. Mm-hmm. Because it could be awful. And I think I'd rather go another two years than <laughs> have really bad chemistryless sex. Yeah. I think that's totally like, true. I just, yeah, I can't think of anything worse right now than just being like, you're right, you're up for it. Yeah, let's meet up then. And like... No, no, I just want to be chill, man. That's all I want. But then even weirder is when you switch. So I then switch, like, after a while of, like, sort of having it to, like, women only, I then switched it to, like, everyone. Mm. 
because obviously at the moment still with a lot of dating apps your only options are man woman yes or because as we know they are the only genders that exist exactly the two Um, genders i would tell you um when you change it back to to everyone um i only ever get men i find it's 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 very um very male centric anyway yeah but are they are they quite um forceful for you when that's happening like when you get when you switch to men and they are a bit more like hey let's go do a thing no because i don't really match with any of them you don't Mainly, match with that, any that, of them no like i said like I, i'm just like nope 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 <laughs> <laughs> Like, nah, yeah, my brain works in weird ways. <laughs> Are you kind of done? Are you having a break from men? Yeah. Because I very much am, I think. Yeah. We've we've tried them, we've given the good college try. Yeah. And it's weird. Just I, break um, now. I really specifically remember this awful point in my life where I was like fancy women and i sleep with women but i would never date a woman and i feel disgusting that i used to say that okay. but i think that's definitely like internalized misogyny or maybe even internalized biphobia i'm not sure um but i would always sort of be like i'm attracted to women but i would wouldn't do it and i'm at the point in my life now where i'm like like i do i am still i do still find myself attracted to like cis men mm. unfortunately um, but and like, you know, I would like to sleep with them, but I probably wouldn't. I don't think I, I want to date men anymore. Yeah, I think I'm kind of along that line. I, I, well, I think it's the opposite. At least, at least not, at least not straight cis men, you know. Oh yeah, that, done with straight cis men. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I think I don't mind being in a relationship with them, but I'm not convinced that sleeping with them is as much fun as it used to be. Probably not. I think that might just be me trying to like cling on to the my shagging twenties. Like mm. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I, it's interesting. You say that thing about saying that you could be with a woman but didn't want to be in a relationship with them. I think that's a really, really common experience early on for people, for sure. Where it's yeah. just like you know. Um, it's it's like I think it might must be an internalized homophobia thing to a degree where it's like so I think someone else said it was about not being a full gay. It's not it's not crossing that line in terms of if you cross that line into well either like for for me it was I really fancy women but I could never sleep with them and for you it's I really fancy women but I can never be in a relationship with them. I think it's like yeah. once you cross that line then oh well you're a proper gay. <laughs> you don't want to be a proper gay. So if I'm not a proper gay. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I guess so. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe this is it. This is this we're done with it for. <laughs> I'm definitely having now? a break. <laughs> Did we just become oh, okay. lesbian on this podcast? Is that what just happened? Shit. Do we need to update our flags? <laughs> I'm going to have to call my mum now and give her another term that I am. <laughs> That's all right, though, because she'll like the fact that she was right originally. That's it. She'll be like, yes, I won the bet with my dad. Yeah. (laughs) I won a bet. (laughs) 
Okay, then. Do you oh want to maybe tell me... So, for those that are new, because I got asked about this last week, um, we do a thing called Slay of the Day. So, it was whoever your queer icon is. So, well, that's what we call the Slay of the Day. Sparkle, would you like to tell me who your Slay of the Day is, please? So, I went a little bit out of the box. Oh, good. I like this. I like new ones. Good. Go for it. Um, so, mine are two people that I've sort of researched a bit. Okay. Um, for uni. Um, from the late eighteen hundreds. Okay. And um, the names were the names were Fanny and Stella. Right. So they were assigned male at birth. Um that's sort of I mean, I'm it's kind of uh, is ambiguous the right word. It, there's not really a set age for when they started presenting as women. Okay. But they both presented as women. They used female pronouns for each other. Um Stella, I believe, was married to a lord and called herself his wife. And they were arrested in 1870 at a theatre, whilst obviously in full women's, um, like, society women's clothing, Mm -hmm. fabulous. You can look at pictures of them. They looked gorgeous. And um, they were actually arrested because people assumed that they were dressing up as women in order to commit sodomy, which obviously at the time was very illegal oh my god um so they went to court it was like this really big um big high profile case the public really got involved um and the public were actually really happy when they were found not guilty because obviously they couldn't you can't prove that someone was trying to sleep with men like it's yeah like a really weird weird phenomenon and actually like after they um were found not guilty there was like changes made in the law that created this new law of gross indecency, which is what uh, Oscar Wilde got arrested for. And mm. um, Alan Turing got arrested for it as well. So like prior to that, it was just like sodomy or not. Whereas then they created this sort of very ambiguous term of like mm. gross indecency, which means nothing really. But they haven't got to catch them in the act, basically. Yeah. So they can just sort of say like, well, you know, you seem very not masculine, um, so we're going to do you for something. Yeah, it's, like, very weird and awful. Um, but Fanny and Stella's, like, their whole story really caught my eye because, um, again, I think it was Stella's mum actually spoke on her behalf in trial and said, um, I mean, I think the words that she actually used were my son, but, you know, 19th mm. century mothers, am I right? Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> They're all the same. (laughs) (laughs) So I think she actually said, like, my son has been presenting as female from the age of six. Okay. Um, But yet, like, historically, and in anything you read about them, they're constantly being presented with their birth names, presented as men. And it's only in like the sort of last couple of years I've read things from historians that say, no, this is trans narrative. This is trans history. Like mm. we should, if they chose to refer to themselves as she and her yep. and would constantly use the names Fanny and Stella, then I feel like the bare minimum amount of respect that we can give them is to do that too. Um, mm-hmm. And they actually have, you know how in London you've got the blue plaques? that tell you when, like, famous people lived in certain buildings and things like that. Not like those. Yeah. So they've actually got one for Fanny and Stella. 
um, in an apartment that they shared together when they first moved out of their family homes. And I got really excited when I found out about this blue flat because it's just around the corner from my uni. Like it was it was quite exciting for me. And then when I saw it on Google Maps, I like did the street view and zoomed right in and it says their birth names in massive writing. And then it says underneath in like small writing, aka Fanny and Stella. And then underneath that it says drag queens. Oh my god. And I tell you what, oh my if I have like one goal with like my history stuff, I yeah. want to become so esteemed as a queer historian that I can get that plaque changed. I want that plaque changed. That's my goal in life. <laughs> That's my career goal is to get that plaque changed. That's what I want for you. Holy fuck. But I, I just find them, like, I'm very, like, ever since sort of discovering their story, I've been, like, very, um, very interested in them. I've read, like, loads and loads of books about them. Mm. Um, and I just think, like, they were just both really powerful um, and inspirational people. Yeah. And I think that, like, even without people of her hearing their story... I think they paved. They obviously paved the way for for a hell of a lot of a lot of gender nonconforming people. Mm. And their stories were very beautiful. They stood their ground, and the public loved them. And yeah, it's just sad that their sort of memory hasn't been uh, kept the way that it should have. But you know, I'm going to change that. <laughs> Dubat has suggested. In the meantime, you do a gorilla plaque change. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, I should. <laughs> get me sharpies out <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awful i mean it's it's such a tiny tiny thing and it's nothing in comparison to that but one of my favorite things is whenever somebody comes out as non-binary or trans or like celebrities now the first thing i do is i go on wikipedia and see if someone's already changed the pronouns <laughs> Love that. And almost exclusively they do. And it just, there's something, it gives me such a little joy in my heart to go, look, look what you've already done. You've already edited it because you're a good human. Yeah. No, I love that. That's so good. I've never thought of doing that. And now I'm going to do it every time. <laughs> there's also a suggestion we should get a petition together. That is a good idea, actually. There might be an option for that, surely. Yeah, I've not really looked into it. I just thought, like, I don't know. I think. I, I do this, you know how you do the thing where you're like, I'm not important enough, like, they're not going to listen to me. So, I don't know. But yeah, I might look into petitions. Don't you dare put yourself down mm. like that. You, you can uh, open with, I'm doing a queer history dissertation, my friend, and I've done all this study. So I know, know all about their story. And this is what, what I really, they want. What I really want to do is go to the uh, National Archives. And I think in there they have actual letters. Hmm that they wrote between each other and um you can't take pictures in there which is really annoying okay i feel like if i could find something in the national archives that says that sort of shows that the pronouns they used for each other mm. i feel like that could sort of help a bit because they did do like what you would class now as drag act yeah but i would i would say rather than calling them the drag queens i would say they're cabaret artists mm. And there's also a diff. There's a demarcation between something that you would do on stage, dressed as a woman, and how you would be in your own personal life, anyway, isn't there? Like you could yeah. be both I mean, a drag queen and a trans woman. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. 
But I, the, the, I feel like just calling them drag queens just yeah. denotes something. It feels like it's like, just an act. There's like there's no yeah. crossover into their personal life. That's what that feels like. Because you for know, sure. I mean, you can also be a drag queen for sure. But yeah, if that, that's not like that's that's a thing that you would do rather than you know, it's a performative thing. Yeah, it's yeah. not a like personal thing. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But I've seen like quite a few like trans drag performers sort of mm. say like a trans woman is who i am yeah drag is what i do like and yeah. that's the difference i think i think that's what i was so, gonna yeah. say but badly <laughs> <laughs> sorry we got there <laughs> we got there in the end with a bit with a bit of help we got over the line it's fine um so sparkle please tell me where people can find you if they want to catch up with you and your amazing queer history knowledge uh, well, okay, so I actually have, um, I've actually started a TikTok for queer history. Yes! Um, that's just at history is queer. Okay. So you can find, you can find some little awkward videos that I've done on there, um, including one about Fanny and Stella was actually the first one that I did and it's got done quite well actually. Mm. Um, and then you can find me at sparklepunk13 on Twitch and on Twitter. <laughs> and is there anything else that you'd like to promote before we say goodbye, Sparkle? you because you're amazing (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) so you know we're on your channel but i'm going to promote you on your own channel okay i mean thank you i appreciate that (laughs) (laughs) it makes me so fucking awkward people are just like i want to talk about you (laughs) do you can we not can we talk about somebody else please thank you (laughs) um yeah no i don't have anything else to promote Okay, amazing. Did you say the TikTok was history is queer? History is queer. Right, because I need to follow that like literally now because I need to get on that. I'm asking for me. That's that's the only reason I'm asking. (laughs) (laughs) Sparklepunk13, thank you so much for joining me today. You are an absolute icon. Thank you for having me. Um, It's been very lovely absolute joy i love you so 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 much and i will catch up with you again very very shortly so that was the incredible sparkle punk 13 honestly having spent time with her off podcast now as well as on podcast um she's such a wonderful human being and I say this all the time because everybody I interview is just incredible. And the fact that they give up their time for this and and they get so deep and they talk about all the stuff that really matters to them. um, It kind of means everything to me, to be honest. And I couldn't be more grateful that people keep agreeing to come on it and just be completely open and honest and be their true authentic selves. And it's been really like life affirming for me. So thank you to every guest so far and thank you to all the other ones that keep saying yes to the ones coming up so that was this week's episode uh you can find sparkles tiktoks over on history is queer and you'll find her on twitter and twitch at sparklepunk13 links will be in the box below though find me on all of the things on jennagademaster.com including a very cool discord and i know that sounded a bit hi juju fellow kids but we uh, inexplicably keep getting dragged pun intended, into watching massive drag race marathons. (laughs) We can't help ourselves. When I first started streaming movies in Discord, I was like, yes, yeah, it's fine. We'll um, we'll just just watch whatever. We'll watch movies. We'll just have a nice little catch up together. 
we keep coming back to Drag Race. I think that's very much the vibe that we both love Drag Race and also love dragging on Drag Race. Oh, if you're a Twilight fan, I'm recording something very, very silly tomorrow. Uh, half past five BST on twitch.tv slash Jenna Gadmaster. Uh, myself and previous podcast guests MJ Playgames and Darnit DeBall are all reading the gender-swapped version of Twilight called Life and Death. It's going to be the most fun ever. I genuinely can't wait. It's another one of those love it but also love to rag on it kind of things i think we watched a whole marathon of all the twilight movies with mj i'm just saying it was a good time and frankly it's also sold three more copies of stephanie myers's book than it would have done otherwise i'm just saying have a really lovely week obviously we're recording another one of these on thursday with trista and otherwise i'll see you next monday bye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.